Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. Welcome to episode 56 of the Kaiju Cast, a bi-monthly podcast that is 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. My name is Kyle, and that is Heather Brask is sitting across the table from me. Hello. And uh, like I said, episode 56, this is the second episode for April 2012, the Kaiju discussion episode, and we're going to be talking about King Kong versus Godzilla. Uh, we have no Godzilla news this month, but some local events that need to happen, and in fact, Speaking of local events, Heather and I just got back from Stumptown Comics Fest the we first did. day, and we recorded uh, and uh, broadcast our voices uh, as lovely as they were out onto the internet. They were part lovely. Of, part of uh, yes, part of Radio Stumptown, and so forth. And it was a lot of fun. And uh, if if uh, if you want to hear that, let me know. I guess right. we could maybe do something with it. There's a lot of. Uh, a lot of dead air. But I was going to say, if you if you want to hear us sort of blather for an hour, uh, we don't we don't really talk about Godzilla. Not uh, at all. Yeah, no. we maybe you know we 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 brought up the podcast, of course, but we were at a comic book show. We talked to a couple of comic book artists which, and writers, which, which was, was awesome. awesome. Totally fun. Totally yeah. fun. Uh, people that we both really enjoy were uh, kind enough to come and join us. Definitely. So that was good. Um, but not really Godzilla related. Not so, at all. So it won't really be here. No, but but, uh, but we're going to go ahead and, and make things Godzilla related here yeah. by playing some requests, uh, starting with Godzilla, the cover of the Blue Oyster Cult, by Racer X for Curtis. <laughs> ¶¶ 
to reiterate, we started off with Godzilla by Racer X, and that was a request from Curtis. And we, um, the next song in that track list was Mothra by Adam Ship for John. And then we finished that up with King Kong's theme that the Islanders play for him. That was for Jamie. Thank you guys all for requesting those songs. Really appreciate it. And that last song brings us to a great point. This is the movie this month for the Daikaiju discussion is King Kong versus Godzilla. Oh, I'm supposed to say the... And now, class, it's time for our Daikaiju discussions. Every month, the Kaiju cast will talk about a movie. I don't actually have that written down this time. So I took all of the movies in the Kaiju landscape, randomized them, threw them on a list, and posted them. And what we do for the Daikaiju discussions is we announce the movie bef- uh, the, in the month prior. You watch the movie sometime during the month. You submit your thoughts, questions, and reviews as homework. And uh, I read them. We read them on the following Daikaiju Discussion episode. And like I said, this month's Daikaiju Discussion episode is the 1962 King Kong vs. Godzilla, a movie that is epic in many proportions. It's, uh, it's actually it's a comedy, which is great. It's a satirical comedy from Japan. It was brought over to the States by John Beck. And just like Godzilla King of the Monsters, it had some uh, American footage was shot and sl- uh, slapped into the movie. Some scenes were shuffled around. And there's a huge long history behind it. If you're actually very interested in hearing a lot of that, you can download the commentary track that we did, uh, which includes myself and Heather and other co-host Jeff. That was a lot of fun. Yes. Speaking of a lot of fun, we just watched this film. We're not watching it. We didn't watch it here in the in the KaijuCast HQ. We watched it at the Hollywood Theater after the film played. And after I gave away stuff like stickers and buttons and whatnot, we went and uh, recorded in the green room at the Hollywood Theater with myself, Heather, Justin, and Martin Babra. And this is how that went down. Hey, guys. We just got finished watching King Kong vs. Godzilla in the Hollywood Theater. <laughs> it was really fun. Um, it was a packed house, which means there were like over 300 people here, which is pretty awesome. Um, Heather, actually, you know what? You have seen this movie and talked about it so much oh, in the commentary wow. that I, but, uh, <laughs> I, I was, was going to say, let's get somebody else's opinion here. first. Like uh, Justin or Martin's. Hello. Justin, don't ruin this podcast. <laughs> I've ruined so many podcasts. Oh, I do also want to say that we we are recording in the, the green room, like the backstage area of the Hollywood Theater, so we're going to have to keep our voices down a little bit. So this is not as going to be as boisterous as a Daikaiju discussion is. As Justin usually likes. Yeah, it's it's actually a bathroom. We're all we're all hiding in a stall while everyone around us is using the restroom. So, Justin, had you seen this film before? I have not seen this film before. And tell me your thoughts, my friend. Um, I don't understand the newscaster. Okay, so <laughs> what ended up happening was, okay, or the weird satellite thing. Oh, okay. Well, I can explain that ghost too. Ghost flying to it. Okay, so the first thing I'll say is that this film was made in Japan, and uh, John Beck basically handed the reins over to. Uh, Tomiyuki Tanaka and Ishiro Honda and Eiji Tsuburaya and uh, all those guys. And they created this film and then he went to see it and he was like, I don't like it. And so he brought it back to the States, shot some new scenes, just like they did in the, in the first Godzilla film, which uh, when they turned it into Godzilla King of the Monsters. Uh, and they did that so that it would move the story along for Americans. So that's why we had the stupid UN scenes with Eric Carter and... Dr. Arnold Johnson, who's just so terrible. But um, <laughs> so that is why that happened. Uh, you asked about the satellite. The satellite was actually 
stock footage from a 1957 Japanese film called The Mysterians. And uh, since I'm talking about stock footage, at the very end when Kong and uh, Godzilla fall into the water and the flood happens, which (laughs) Sean, my friend from work, leaned over to me and said, too soon, dude, too soon. (laughs) Uh, But uh, anyway, so that was actually, that was also footage from the Mysterians, the flood. (laughs) Martin's face palming like crazy right now. Uh, (laughs) The flood and the earthquake where the village like falls into the earth. That was also stock footage. That, That doesn't explain why the satellite was there. I told you that was Mysterian space. No, did I not say it? That's, that was the well, that's space where, station that's from, from the Mysterians. But what's, I mean, what was the point of it for the story? Yeah, it was the, you know, how the UN uh-huh. reuses footage. Okay. Oh, dude, I'm not going to defend this film <laughs> at all. Like I said, it's a, this is a comedy film. This is not something that, that can just be uh, explained away with scientific means. <laughs> Science totally explains this movie. What are you talking about? Science explains nothing. Nothing. This is all about nothing. gods and monsters and just kidding. So, Heather. Yes. You wanted to say something? Oh. More than just that? Uh well, originally I was gonna say you you just said that the UN likes to use stock footage, but <laughs> <laughs> the universal pictures people yes, like to use stock footage. That's that's exactly what you meant. Um no. I, I tried to explain to him the uh the satellite and the white man who was there to make us more comfortable, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure was the explanation that I gave. All two white men <laughs> that, were, that were inserted into that film. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, Heather, how, yes. was, how was this watching after you'd just seen the movie I like know. the other day? Uh, you know, honestly, it was, uh, it was all the better. Like, I've watched it three times in the last, like, week. So uh, it just gets better with every viewing. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun because... And and it was actually fun to watch it after listening to, uh, oh, the commentary, to, to your yeah, yeah. commentary, you know, where I got to learn little bits and pieces and that, and so, so it was it was it was all the more enjoyable this time through. I actually kept watching it, like as as I'm watching it, I'm like I wanted to yell things out that we were yelling out during the commentary, but then I was like, no, <laughs> it's like, like when he said, Kong will gain get you know gain strength from electricity. I wanted to yell. <laughs> wrong. Like really loud, but I didn't do that. I refrained. You, you. I was very proud. It was still fun. A lot of fun. It was a lot of theater. fun. And I'm, you know, glad that I got up there and told everybody that, you know, this is for you to laugh at. This yes. is not, you know, a serious film by any means. Um, and this is actually a good time for me to say that this is a comedy film. It's a satirical comedy that's based off of. Um, the economic growth and the rampant commercialism that was happening in Japan at the time. And, uh, yeah, they just didn't think it was going to play in America. So they put those scenes in and I'm talking more than I should. Martin Vavra, you'd never seen this film before. Had you? I have never seen this one before. And it was hilarious. (laughs) If I had seen this movie two years ago, I don't know what I would have thought of it. Tonight was the perfect setting for that. Yeah, see, now you've got some uh, you've got some precedents behind yeah. your brain that can push push you into the direction that says this movie's awesome. Well, now I still question the participation of Eiji Subaraya in this because that was some of the worst models and worst suit mm. stuff that I have I have seen yet. I I don't agree about the the models being bad, but the suits I will definitely say you know the Kong suit. 
Yeah. The Kong suit's the bad one. I mean, really. And the mouths never work. It, <laughs> I, I was I was really liking the little stick puppets on the hill that were like Those crashing are terrible, into yeah. each other. It's like, look, it's monsters at a distance. Yeah, they they <laughs> certainly they certainly. Um, Break out all the techniques <laughs> that they could have used. There was stock footage. There was suitmation. There were puppets. Mm-hmm. There were what you call them? They, <laughs> stick they, stick yeah, figures. They were, yeah, like, they were like little stick figures, like smashing into each other. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of good and a lot of bad. But uh, it's a it's nothing more than than it's a, a fun lot of film fun. for me. And so, um, what were your what were your favorite parts of the film, Martin? Uh, all right, so I don't even know if this is really something that should register as a favorite part, but um, it actually, it, yeah, that was pretty good. It's during that. It's uh, seeing Japanese men and women in blackface <laughs> with a with a with a what I don't even know is a, a descript uh, race for the the translator. Right. I don't know who that guy was or what was going on. Uh, that just. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much joy in watching all of that. <laughs> it's a little bit uncomfortable for people who are politically correct, I think. I'm I'm just a little confused because after, with this viewing, I'm going, okay, so they are pointing to a tiny little island off of Japan, are they not? No, 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 it's Was not it? off of Japan. It's like it's further way okay, further so south were these than supposed like to be off of like, Malaysia. So these were supposed to be like Malaysian or Philippines. You know, maybe Probably was closer that, to that. Yeah. Yeah. Is that maybe what they were going for? I, I think just, so. I think it's just funny that they, you know, that they opted for, well, we should probably darken them up a bit, you know, as opposed to like, let's just put some people on the screen and put them in tribal clothing. You know, it's like, no, yeah. they must be darker. Yeah. Well, they, I don't know if exactly if they, I can't remember if they do the blackface thing for the, uh, for Mothra, which is the film that came directly before this one. But I know they definitely did some darkening up of people and making them red in Mother vs. Godzilla, which is the film that follows King Kong vs. Godzilla. Red is an awkward color to make people. It's a it's a plot point. Let's just say it's a plot point from in the movie. So, yeah, it's it's ter- it is terribly awkward to like see Japanese people painted and it like. Like brown people. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. So there was a Mothra movie both before and after this one. Yep. There because was, yeah. all of that just reeked of Mothra wannabe stuff to me. Yeah. there. Like, I mean, you're talking about 1961, 62, and 63. So mm-hmm. that's there's a... I, I said this during the commentary. This is the heyday of Japanese cinema where, you know, lots and lots of money is being spent on these lavish productions. And you saw Mothra, right? So the... The, the tribal dancing and the chants and the uh, stuff that I, there's a word with an R that is escaping my brain rituals that they do in the films are just like huge productions, like stage productions in a sense. Like if you, if you went to go see uh, King Kong, right? Like not the movie, but if you were in 1933 and you went to go see King Kong, they'd, on the stage, they'd have this huge production with like the natives and stuff like that. So it's sort of the same kind of thing to me. It's like, that's what I'm seeing on stage is like, or on the screen is this sort of look how much awesome feathers and color, you know, <laughs> it's ridiculous All feathers the, yeah. and, and everything that we can coconut, do. uh, we can bras we jungles. can put in. Yeah. And that's, and so it's, it's really like, it's, 
this is like what Toho's doing. This is kind of like they're they're showing off in a sense. Like, look at what we can do. I think. Yeah. Nice. So what uh, what was your favorite part of the film, Justin? Was it was it the kids smoking? It was totally the kids smoking. <laughs> if it wasn't the kids smoking, it was the uh, best, the, the blackface. The best of line, best line <laughs> in the entire film for me is it's okay. They're all smoking. So. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was the part that uh, that I really liked. Or I also liked the octopus, but you know. No, oh, yeah, that, the that, octopus. That was, that was pretty awesome. Good story about the octopus. If you want to hear it, you should download the commentary. <laughs> anyway, Except, you know, an octopus that side would size would rip that monkey in half. No, not King Kong. Yeah, it would. Not King Kong. Totally would. There's a reason they call him King, dude. It's because he has because he's curling. Yeah, yeah. He's like very Elvisy. Yeah, very yeah. Elvisy. Yeah. There was that curled lip. So, <laughs> so your favorite part of the movie was. Was, was the, the octopus? Let's well, just say we'll go with the octopus. Cause okay, Martin, Martin already, already stole took the, the blackface. Okay, <laughs> uh, Heather Brask. Yeah, you, you of course have seen this movie three times now. So, have do you still have the, the favorite part that you saw from the first film, or has that evolved? Has your has your taste evolved in the past week? You know, I think we all sort of like the same little area of the movie with the with the natives. Um, I I do really like the scene with the giant octopus. I I do really like you know when she comes to the to the hut and it's locked. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a favorite moment of mine. It's like who locked? These are supposed to only lock from the outside. Oh. If um, only I could squeeze my hand through the straw oh and unlock it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I I do really enjoy that. Um, I like. Oh, what was the character's name? The 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 chick that fails at living. Oh, <laughs> well they called her. Fumiko. Okay. <laughs> Fumiko. Yeah. Yeah. Sakurai's sister. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> she's she, pretty funny too. She's pretty great at the whole, yeah, failing at everything. You know, it's like, I can't run. I can't. No, I'm going to bash my head against this rock. Oh, now I'm going to get yeah. on the train. Oh, I'm on the wrong side of the door of the train. Oh, now Kong has me. Blur. Yeah, yeah. It was Actually, really hard to be her. <laughs> my girlfriend during the screening was like... Is that the same woman? <laughs> of course <laughs> it is. Of course it is. Yeah. Because if they'd made it more than one woman, it would have been sexist. But this way, it was just funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they were concerned about sexism in 1962 no, in Japan. No, I don't think so either. But um, yeah, no. that uh, I, I liked her a lot. Cause, and I still, like I said in the commentary, I really like the trains. They did a really nice job with the trains. Yeah, they brought me I like joy. The trains. I like the miniatures in this film. I got no problem with the uh, construction scene. You know, it's a lot of coordination, and uh, Justin is just a jerk <laughs> for hating that stuff. Wait, what? <laughs> I, I didn't say anything about the miniatures. It was Martin who said things about the miniatures. I said, I'm tired. I meant, uh, I meant Martin. <laughs> well, I am a jerk. I'm revising good, my good, favorite part. Good, good news is I'm not going to edit this out. <laughs> Butch was my favorite part. I Butch? revised it. Oh, Butch, the guy you, were, you guys were sitting next to. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. going to be thrilled to hear this. Yes, yes. <laughs> Heather's number one super fan. Nice. I, nice. Uh, I, that's that's not actually my favorite part. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about things you hated. Um, that would be Butch. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. He was Zing. trying to steal my wife. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Uh, how about in the movie? Oh, um, the, the white people. 
<laughs> I hate all the white people. So you didn't like all the inserted scenes? I did not like the inserted scenes. So I, would I, you be I, interested I, I, in I, I, seeing the Japanese version of this film with subtitles <laughs> and stuff? Uh, do they have a dubbed version of the Japanese version? I said with subtitles and stuff. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> uh, no. Maybe we could release a dub track. <laughs> we just blew it up. Okay. So uh, how about you, Martin? What were your What was your least favorite part about this? I film? well, uh, my least favorite part is actually a uh, point of contention. If the red juice made from the berries is a non-addictive juice, why does the giant gorilla keep coming back time and time again to the sacrificial spot of the berry? Hey, man, maybe it's not addictive, but it still feels good. <laughs> I think that's addiction. Oh, no. Well, that's not all true. All of my addictions, I mean, that's why I stick with them. Like, oh, this really hurts. I want to do this a lot more. <laughs> so, anyway. Hey, man, I can have like four or five like Soma Berry drinks without having a massive hangover. <laughs> um, you know, I really didn't have anything that was a major hang-up in this one because... I took the precursor story of like, this is going to be what it is, yeah. you know, and I've seen the pictures and all of that stuff. So I, there was never a moment where I wanted to stop and go, um, excuse me, but I think this one, yeah. So I just, how is it possible they could get the barasoma berries into an aerosol <laughs> spray by the time they get, yeah, I, I, you know, I, um, I, I actually kind of saluted them at, However, it is they attempted to do some sort of a green screen thing when they had the guys walking around on top of Kong. Oh, the little animated dudes, yeah. Yeah, it was that where they animated it? Mm -hmm. Just it, they looked like yeah, this it's just cell animation, twitchy yeah. things. So, yep. but I, you know, I, I was trying to go, nice job, guys, nice job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of it you just have to kind of take in turn and consider the fact of you know, what year it was made and, and, and that, and you're going, this is all you know, highly advanced for their times. And, and, uh, no, I mean the, like Martin's saying, you know, the animation, I thought that was really pretty clever. I mean, cause otherwise I, I, I'm trying to think of how else they would have achieved that look and I, everything else I come up with is 10 times worse than what they ended up with. So I, uh, I really like it. I think it's, I think it's a really enjoyable movie and, you know, we've talked in the past about the like, you know, blood levels and things in in Godzilla movies, and mm -hmm. how some are, you know, excessively low, and some then are slightly higher, right? Yeah. Because of that, they seem you know very excessive. And I think this would be a good one for. I mean, there were kids in the audience here. I think this is a good one for for all ages. Uh, you know, so long as they understand that smoking's bad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so or delicious, one or the other. I so, forget. <laughs> so if my parents had showed this film to me when I was a kid, they would have taken, they would have rented the, the videotape from the, st from the store. And you would have watched and like they five would have, minutes. <laughs> they would have edited that out in like, you wouldn't have gotten any of the yeah. ladies in the coconut bras. Probably, yeah. <laughs> probably not, not with my folks, but, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I didn't actually say like what my favorite parts and and least favorite parts of the film were, but um, I will say my favorite parts of the film are, are the fight scenes in in the end. That whole big battle on Mount Fuji. Um, it's, King Kong says, "Hey." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like everything about the film to me, like that's a just a huge climax, and I really enjoy that that uh, that battle. Except, and this is almost like a flip side. It's not my least favorite part of the film, but like there's a lot of stuff that really pushes the boundaries of my suspension of disbelief in that battle. Like the first time I watched the film, I say this in the commentary, but the first time I watched the film, 
um, was when I was much older than a, a kid. I would think I was in college. And Kong gets dropped and lands on the mountain. And when he, the whole time he's sliding down and then hits Godzilla and then they both tumble down, I couldn't stand it. I was laughing so hard. I had to stop the movie. It was like, and rewind it. It was hilarious. Um, because it's ridiculous and it doesn't look realistic in the least. <laughs> but um, but that's actually my least favorite part about the film is is that they took all of Ifukube's score except for the natives scenes and they just replaced it with stock music from the Universal Vault. Which, Boo, Universal. Which, which Jeff did an amazing job of, uh, of of picking out individual songs during the commentary. That was... Because that's that's who Jeff is. It's true, and that's why he's on our on our geek trivia team. That's funny. I was going to say except at geek trivia because he can't hear it at geek trivia. Yeah. So we <laughs> yeah, Jeff's poor Jeff. Oh. We love you, Jeff. We totally love you. Anyway, where are you? So uh, let's. Uh, did everybody say what they didn't like about the film? Let's move into final thoughts, Heather Brask. Do do do. Uh, this is sort of a I like it, didn't like it kind of comment, but ultimately. I haven't I haven't watched the Japanese version. Um, I do. I really like the I really like the American adaptation. I mean, you know, call me a white girl, but I really liked white girl. Thank you, thank you, Lady Kyle. Uh, <laughs> I um I really I like the non sequitur moments of of you know. And back in the newsroom, uh, let me explain to you what's happening. Except it's totally not what's happening but that's okay because they kept me in this box and I don't know what's going on but no I really I really enjoy that I think it adds to the just you know it just adds to the humor of it you know it's just we've got all these guys talking to each other none of them actually know what's going on but they're all experts on all of it so let's go back to them Uh, which is just you know you're saying how this film was to speak of what was happening in Japan at the time and with you know uh, you know, c- corruption and 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 with just you know the various, the various things with with commercialism and that sort of thing and yeah. uh, and I think that they do kind of a fantastic job of playing off of that themselves accidentally. Oh yeah, and actually, you know, the thing about that is, I mean, the 1960s in Japan were very different than from the 1960s in the U.S. And I I really do think that the were the they, decision Kyle? were they. Gosh, maybe they weren't, Heather. Oh my God. None but of us were alive. <laughs> nope, none nope. of us were alive. Nope, we're good. You looked around for Jeff, didn't you? He's not here. Uh, I don't know why I would be looking huh. for him. But, uh, you know, I just don't, I really don't know if, if the Japanese version of this film would essentially work for an American audience. Like, they may be like, why, why is this guy so concerned with their ratings? Like, this wasn't as big a deal back then, I guess. But... Anyway, how about you, Martin? What uh, final thoughts? Final thought is that, number one, this is the very first Godzilla film I've ever seen on the big screen. I've seen Gamera, but I had never seen Godzilla. (sighs) This was probably one of the best nights that I have ever had of watching Godzilla. Wow, so you're saying I need a bigger screen. No. No, you you don't you don't need a bigger screen. And the thing is is it would not have been the same if I if you guys had not been there and I'd I'd have been here to watch it, but it was there's a lot of people that I knew there. I was here with you guys. We got to see this on the big screen. There's all this fun build up. There's it's all a lot this stuff of love afterwards. coming from Martin right like, now. I got to admit it. it. It was this 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 is like this is one of those really cool moments where it's like 
yeah. This so it it, it was a good time. This cool. is about the, the best way it could be. That's awesome. And so, would you show this to? I mean, would you show this film to people who had never seen Absolutely. a Godzilla film before? I would totally bring people back to the Hollywood theater, pack it with everyone else, and have another kaiju cast discussion like just like this for them. I'll have to tell Dan like that we need to get more Godzilla films here for the Grindhouse thing. How about you, Justin? Final thoughts? Uh, I would like to hide in a dark, small room with an iPod and, and watch this on my iPod. I, I think there was way too many people, and uh, <laughs> Martin was a little too uh, touchy-feely for me. And he wasn't even on the same side. Of yeah. I, how did it, you it reach impressive. that far? Anyway. Maybe it was butch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I was glad I was able to make it. So. Excellent. Cool. Well, uh, my final thoughts would be this is this is a classic Godzilla film, and it's something that every Godzilla fan should see. And the good news is that the, you know, the lame DVD release that was that was out, you know, for years and years and years has finally been updated. I think a couple of years ago, or maybe three or four years ago, uh, Universal released their own version. It's all in widescreen with you know the American stuff in it, but uh, it's definitely worth watching. So if you don't own this on on DVD, make sure you check it out. And um, let's get out of here and go take a picture. And um, I'll stop this, and then later we'll hear what everybody else had to say. Curtis wants to state that this film was the third Godzilla film he ever saw, and it was this film that cemented his love for all things giant monsters. King Kong vs. Godzilla is not only the first Godzilla film to be made in color, shot in Tohoscope, and it is the first. it is also the first film to introduce the rival kaiju in the movie's title itself. For the uh, first little background about where the film came from, originally drafted by Willis O'Brien as King Kong versus Frankenstein, the film idea was eventually brought to Toho, who replaced Frankenstein's monster with Godzilla. In the old script, it had Frankenstein's monster, mo- yeah, Frankenstein's monster gaining power through electricity, which stayed in Toho's film, but was used for King Kong instead. Now the film has a lot of high points for it. One is Godzilla's entrance, which is taken directly from the ending of Godzilla Raids Again, when Godzilla is buried in ice. Flip side of that, Kong has an amazing entrance that helps to break the tension of the giant octopus's attack on the village. The monster fights themselves are grand and a riot, especially when Kong looked down and out, and lightning strikes down, which gives him a second wind. Too awesome. The miniatures look fantastic, from the buildings crumbling to the landscapes. This also brings him to the highest point of this film, and that is Mount Fuji. The first time that Mount Fuji is a battlefield in a Godzilla film, and later on in the film series, it becomes a staple battleground backdrop for future Godzilla films. The negatives are thankfully lesser than the positives. One low point is the dubbing for this film. It's blah at best. A major downer in this film is the complete uprooting of the original score in favor of stock uh, Universal Monster film scores. Notably, The Creature from the Black Lagoon comes to mind. Final thoughts. He loves this film. (laughs) Loves it, loves it, loves it. It's a great, iconic Godzilla film and a fantastic starter for anyone who is curious about the genre. And he highly recommends it. And uh, let's see here. Jamie writes that it is a pleasure to get back to the Showa era of Godzilla once more with the design of the Godzilla suit, as well as an interesting look for King Kong. One thing that struck him the most when he watched this movie was just how expansive the sets were. There were numerous locations for the two sparring kaiju to fight on, from Faroe Island to Tokyo, to the side of Mount Fuji, and even the crater of Mount Fuji. It really felt as though this movie had a good budget going for it to include so much scenery, and the matte paintings were simply beautiful to behold. What was a truly pleasant surprise was the amount of humor written into this movie via the human actors, especially with Takao, 
Taco. 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 Sorry. Taco. I'm like, wait, there's no one named Taco. <laughs> uh, the head of the paper section of the pharmaceutical company, his mannerisms and reactions were completely over the top and utterly hilarious, such as when he's complaining about Godzilla being everywhere and he rips up the papers, then randomly grabs a piece of torn paper and simply tosses it back up into the air again. Not to mention how he just pops open a convenient umbrella when the ship is being tossed about to help <laughs> to keep himself from being wet and nearly detonating the dynamite when King Kong is being transported to Japan. Also, just how was he going to make King Kong his company's sponsor? Get him to wear, an, and I believe this is a 15XL t-shirt. Uh, I counted. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was 15. Uh, it was such a silly, stupid idea that just fit in with the movie, giving it a much more lighthearted feel than most Godzilla movies had in those days, and he would definitely recommend this movie to newcomers. Scott recalls that this Godzilla flick was the second time he had a chance to see the big G as a young kid. As a kid back in the 70s, monster movies were the reason he watched television. And he can recall the sheer amazement he had seeing the preview for the late night showing on a local channel. His young mind had a tough time deciding which monster to cheer for and which one to jeer at. Having seen Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster as his first flick, his first Godzilla flick, he was under the impression Godzilla was a good guy, which added to his trouble picking sides. So he had no choice but to sit back and watch this epic match epic matchup that was billed as the battle of the century as just a fair down the middle observer looking back as he got older things like each monster being national icons or kong being mankind's inner monster versus godzilla being mankind's monstrous creation gave him a bigger picture to think about however as a young boy this film sparked impressions in it in his imagination whenever wisconsin had snowstorms it left huge snowbanks to climb and roll around like a kaiju Back in 2005, he picked up the King Kong vs. Godzilla DVD and put it on the shelf where it stayed unwatched until this month. He was glad to finally watch it again. Uh, he watched it in the 90s on VHS, and it had been a while. He asked his four-year-old girl who she liked better, and she was, uh, she was where his mindset was all those years ago, going back and forth between the big two. It came down to sitting back and watching the story unfold again. Among the highlights were the first time Godzilla... In Losing color, his back fins look great while lit up, uh, when lit up. Seeing the local islanders enjoy smokes, Toho's version of Don Knotts, <laughs> a scientist using kids a kid's dinosaur book to explain his case, Kong's face as he gets his drink on, and of course the battle scenes. Lots of rock tossing and fire in this fight. Kong making Godzilla eat his vegetables by ramming a tree down his throat is always good for a smile. Godzilla firing his atomic breath at Kong with the Atomic Castle in the background will always be a classic image. And then, of course, there's the who won debate. Seems like they had to level up Kong in order to make it fair. The lightning boost to, uh, to King Kong never made any sense to him until years later he read that Frankenstein was the first choice for Kong. It seems like they just plugged Kong into the storyline and went with it. Whereas Frankenstein gets stronger via lightning makes more sense. In the end, he would say Godzilla won since he has appeared in countless features since. I like that arguing. Uh, Alexander remembers this movie as one of the many Godzilla movies his grandparents got him. As all Godzilla fans did, he watched it over and over and over again. It had a cool Godzilla suit and had a decent roar. Godzilla seemed like a powerful badass, and the destruction scene after he is released from the iceberg is truly amazing, especially since this is the first color Godzilla movie. King Kong tends to look derpish, per se. He knows that Kong's part was originally meant for Frankenstein, but making him a lightning-slash-thunder god seems fitting for a giant ape. 
He does remember seeing shots like the octopus throwing a man and Godzilla kicking King Kong that were stop motion, which is one of the original ways Toho wanted to do Godzilla before going to suit acting, and he finds that great. There are a few things that irritate him in the film, though. The acting seems somewhat unrealistic. What? Second, the ending shows King Kong swimming away and Godzilla is nowhere to be found. He thinks Godzilla should have won and finds it hard to believe King Kong could toss Godzilla around even with more power without Godzilla getting a good hit on him. It seems near the end Godzilla was getting his butt kicked, which is very sad for fans. He thinks Godzilla would be able to stomp King Kong in a rematch and would love to watch the fight with size accuracy (laughs) because it would make a better David versus Goliath kind of fight. Mark thinks that this is the best movie of the Showa era. Both monster fights and the acting were good. Some people might not know that Toho is going to make a sequel to this movie that would have taken place right after the movie ended. Also, Toho is going to make a remake this film in 1991 as Godzilla vs. King Kong. According to Mark, Kong shows up in the teaser for Godzilla 1984, but Universal asked for too much money, even though they would have made five times the amount in ticket sales. Uh, he also thinks that King Kong versus Godzilla is the perfect Godzilla to introduce someone to. The mayor of dinosaurs. Oh yeah, the mayor <laughs> of dinosaurs. What's up, buddy? <laughs> Notes that he's never seen the original Japanese version, but finds that the added UN scenes flow well with the continuity, even if one is left wondering if the UN actually has a news division. The scientist, quote-unquote, is pretty laughable. Is he a reptile or amphibian? But that's par for the course with Toho, so no biggie. Two things strike him negatively about this film. The weird pumping sounds made when Godzilla flaps his arms. Does he have a gas tank inside for his fire breath? And a bit worse is this is kind of a racist movie. What? (laughs) These guys are saying some shocking things. The portrayal of the natives and of Kona reminds him of the old minstrel shows with Al Jolson and those racist Looney Tunes episodes they tried to bury. He thinks you see that more often in Japanese media. Aside from that, though, it is a pretty great movie, epic and with cool monster action. He loves the continuity with Godzilla raids again. And poor Fumiko, <laughs> oh, Fumiko, gets chased by Godzilla and kidnapped by Kong. The human subplots are, as usual, interesting but weird. Invincible thread. And he recently showed it to five people who had not seen it or much Godzilla at all, and they all enjoyed it immensely. Despite the whole it was supposed to be Frankenstein thing, the mayor of dinosaurs thinks that giving Kong a superpower works much better and he would love to see Kong return to Toho Kaiju movies, maybe with a less melty face. Robert remembers reading a children's book on King Kong vs. Godzilla in the 80s, which said the Japanese version had a different ending, in which Godzilla was victorious. He watched this film around that time on Channel 43 in Cleveland. It was hyped for weeks as their Saturday night movie of the week. It deserved all the hype it is given, though. Uh, the American version of the movie starts out awesome with a quote from Hamlet. Yes, Godzilla is going to be elevated to classic status, but those hopes are dashed when boring old Eric Carter starts explaining the plot to everybody, like we can't figure out why a giant lizard and a giant gorilla need to fight. Come on! Once the fighting uh, eventually begins, this movie really does become a classic. King Kong fighting the octopus is a fun sequence, and the battle between the titular characters does not disappoint. After acquiring the Japanese version a few years ago, Robert was surprised to find the ending the same as the American release, but still felt that it was superior because of the absence of the stuffy old codgers trying to explain Godzilla's existence. King Kong vs. Godzilla is truly a monumental picture. The only image David remembers from being one or two years of age is sitting in his high chair at his grandmother's apartment on the south side of Chicago and watching King Kong swinging Godzilla around by his tail. He's not sure how, but maybe that's what made him a fan. 
He loves this movie, even though the plot and story are weak, but overall, he was very entertained. Before he realized what money was, David always wondered why the original King Kong looked so awesome being made in 1933 and why Kong 30 years later looked horrible in this movie, but then he found out that stop motion is expensive and takes a long time. But being a fan of Godzilla movies, Kong's suit no longer bothers him. The final fight in this movie was a lot of fun, but clearly both monsters still had a lot of fight in them. The, mo- the movie just sort of ended, like, okay, yeah, we're done. By the way, why are people always so shocked to see Godzilla only five or ten years after he demolished your city? Seeing, seeing as how he was trapped in a glacier at the end of Godzilla Raids again, maybe we should keep an eye out for a glacier holding a 400-foot-tall fire-breathing monster, making sure he doesn't get out. As a kid, Harold enjoyed watching this movie. For him, the whole movie was the whole movie just made sense. It had a flow to it and was never dull. He liked how the humans tried to combat the monsters, although even as a kid, he realized, man, they dug that giant hole really quick. He liked how the humans analyzed the monsters and said that Godzilla, with his smaller brain, was a brute force creature, while King Kong, with his bigger brain, was a thinking creature, and that made sense to him. As a kid, Harold liked the look of Godzilla, his proportions, and the shape of his face. King Kong, well, that's another story. It was the face, something just wasn't right about it, and it was kind of distracting to look at. As far as the monster battles goes, Harold loved them all. This was the first time he realized the value of Godzilla having a ranged weapon, when he blasts Kong with the atomic breath in the chest, and then down to his um, Kong family jewels, he knew Godzilla was unstoppable. If Godzilla only, if only Godzilla used his breath like that all the time. As an adult, Harold still loves this movie. Harold is from Los Angeles and is a Lakers fan, and he has a friend Justin who is from Boston and is a Celtics fan, and so they are very, na- they are naturally rivals. When it comes to this movie, it's no different. Harold's the Godzilla fan, and Justin is the Kong fan. Sorry to hear that, Harold. Mm. It's terrifying. Regarding the end of the movie, Harold claims that King Kong is swimming away in fear and that Godzilla actually won, even though he knows that's not the case. Regarding the very end of this movie, Harold claims that King Kong is swimming away in fear and that Godzilla actually won, even though he knows that it's not the case. (laughs) Justin's response to that? Pile of bones, as in he shouldn't even be in this fight because he's a pile of bones at the bottom of the sea after the original movie. (laughs) that's actually kind of funny uh anyway harold responds back yeah but before that in 1933 king kong was just lying in the street filled full of holes and besides since when does kong get stronger with electricity if not for that godzilla would have wiped the floor with them justin's response pile of bones baby pile of bones harold thinks this is one of the go-to movies to show to people who haven't ever seen a godzilla film before it's set up nice the pacing of the film is good and the monster action is great including kong brushing godzilla's teeth with a tree trunk it's truly a classic battle between two iconic monsters and is a joy to watch bill comments worst monkey suit ever despite the bad monkey suit and his least favorite godzilla suit the movie is a lot of fun He would recommend our listeners search out the original Japanese version since he believes it's even better than the American one. He has the impression that Toho is making a parody movie here. Funny how they turned it around for the next couple of features as they were a bit more serious in tone. That's the fun slash maddening thing about this franchise, the change in tone from era to era, even film to film. Maybe that's why the series lasted as long as it did. And there you have it. Thanks, everybody, for submitting your Daikaiju discussion homework. I really appreciate it. I always love hearing what you guys have to say. Next month's film is the 1996 Rebirth of Mothra film.
So Jeff better not miss this. <laughs> you had me kind of freaked out there for a second. It's a little freaky, Heather. I'm not going to lie to you. The, the Mothra films from the 90s, they were a little freaky. Anyway, uh, normally I tell you when it's uh, going to be due, and that's, this month is no exception. You're going to need to get your homework turned in before, and this is going to be a little early because uh, next month is kind of crazy towards the end of the month. You're going to need to get your homework turned in before the 23rd of the month, which is a Wednesday. So make sure if you get your homework turned in, which means, you know, sending your thoughts, questions, and reviews to controller at kaijucast.com with the subject of Daikaiju discussion, we'll make sure to get you included in that episode. Moving on to local events, May 1st. Every every two weeks we go to Geek Trivia, unless somebody gets deathly ill. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's hosted by Court and Fatboy and uh, sponsored by Things from Another World. And like we said, like I said, that's at the Kennedy School, 7 o'clock p.m., you know, maybe get there around six if you want a couch. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as always, we'll have links in the show notes to all these all these lovely events. Followed by Cinco de Lebowski, which is lovely, lovely little event that happens every year, uh, close as it can to Cinco de Mayo. Uh, but it is the uh, movie at the Baghdad, uh, once again with Gordon Fatboy. And, uh, and it'll be, it'll be the big Lebowski. It'll be, you can wear your bathrobes, your costumes, what have you. Uh, they'll have white Russians. It'll be a good time. Actually, I don't know if they're going to have white Russians this Ooh, year. Maybe I take it all back then. Uh, this year, the, uh, you can get advanced tickets. Yes. Which, uh, gets you in VIP style, uh, before everyone else. They normally open the doors for the midnight movie at 10 or something like that. Yeah. And for this particular event, because it's such a big deal. Doors at like eight? Doors or? are, I think it's like seven. Oh my gosh. And uh, each each uh, advance ticket costs 10 bucks with some service charges. And uh, that includes some hors d'oeuvres and uh, a non-alcoholic drink, which is fine because the alcoholic drink last year were terrible, terrible white Russians. <laughs> they, they were. And, um, like and rubbing alcohol and cream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was nasty. And, uh, it was like, and I, I drink well vodka drinks all the time. So, Indeed. uh, anyway, it, you'll also get to see two bands. Here comes dot and the other band's name is escaping me, but, uh, that's a wicked name for a band. We should totally start a band called escaping me. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's a great event. We always have a really good time. Cinco de Lebowski, that is Friday, May 4th at the Baghdad Theater. And uh, speaking of May 4th, starting on May 4th and pretty much going through the entire month of May, uh, the Northwest Film Center is hosting a basically a giant Studio Ghibli film festival called the Masters of Studio Ghibli. Probably there are some of you out there, many of you out there that are familiar with movies like Spirited Away, uh, Pompoco, Totoro, My Neighbor Totoro, and uh, they're going to be showing a whole bunch of those films. If you're interested in local or live around the area and you want to go see those films in the theater, I would highly suggest checking out the Northwest Film Center's schedule, which I'll have a link to in the show notes. Followed, of course, on uh, May 5th will be Free Comic Book Day. Huzzah! Yes, all across the world, comic book lovers rejoice. Uh, but around here, you'll find your local celebrations at uh, all TFA locations, things from another world, uh, Cosmic Monkey, Floating World, uh, 
Just about everybody. Everybody, yeah. Uh, anywhere that you can find comics is going to be doing something for free comic book day. So definitely check out your local shops. That is uh, not just a local event, but uh, everywhere. Yeah, so anyone true. anyone tuning in, feel free to look up your local shops and, and support them. It's an awesome, awesome thing. From the 11th through the 13th is the HP Lovecraft Film Festival at the Hollywood Theater. Uh, this event has been moved to earlier in the, earlier in the year. I'm assuming just for scheduling wise, uh, but if you like HP Lovecraft, this is definitely the event for you. Um, I've been a few times and it's a lot of fun. On May 19th, this year's Geek Olympathon, held by the Portland C- Geek Council of Commerce and Culture, will be taking also place. Also known as the PGC, the PGC three, which we're proud members of. Indeed, uh, that will be taking place on the 19th. And it's a one-day event this year. Uh, check out the show notes if you're if you're local. You should absolutely take part in it, especially if you're if you're anything close to being geeky. It's a lot of fun, and I it was be- a blast last year. And I believe it's and like I said, it's been consolidated to one day. Last year it was two, but the tickets. Uh, sorry, the big major prize this year is a set of tickets for your entire five-person team to PAX in Seattle. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, check out the link in the show notes to that. Now, the last thing we have to talk about is Wonder Northwest. (laughs) I like that. Uh, Wonder Northwest, you know, last year we were there and we helped helped out a lot and uh, we had a kaiju cast table and uh, I was part of three different panels, one of which was a Godzilla-centric panel called Godzilla Go-Go, which I will not be doing this time. Uh, I was part of the podcasting panel and then some other panel about geeking back to the community, which was about, you know, charity stuff and and geek-related activities. This year, however, I am actually running the panels, so I'm not going to be on anything except one. So they are all Godzilla all the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Everybody come. Now, unfortunately, I I couldn't swing that. But um, we do have, the Kaiju Cast is doing a live podcast recording. What is that for? You can't make it? We've talked about this. Right. Maybe I can now. Maybe I can. If my if my uh, my associate isn't going to Sasquatch, I might be able to do it. Oh, hey, associate, don't go to Sasquatch. Right. It's going to be stupid hot and just you're going to be really There's miserable. There's going to be awesome bands. <laughs> you don't want to be there for that. So mainstream, Tenacious D. Right. Anyway, uh, we're going to be doing a live podcast recording. I believe that is Saturday at 4 o'clock. Don't quote me on that. Instead, head over to Wonder Northwest's website, which I'll have a link to in the show notes, and check that out for yourself. Uh, If you're anywhere near the Pacific Northwest, you should definitely come check out this show. It's basically a geeky pop culture show that really focuses on what Portland has to offer geeky people. And it's a lot of fun. We're going to have some cool guests this year and a lot of great panels. Wonder Northwest will be held on the 26th and the 27th of May at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Portland, Oregon. That about wraps things up here tonight, Heather. If you want to send me an email, just send that to controller at kaijucast.com. If uh, yeah, we're doing this, this is a post-production nightmare episode, so <laughs> I'm just kind of winging everything because we went to Stumptown today. Uh, if you found KaijuCast through the uh, iTunes or through uh, some other podcast directory and you want to experience, you know, everything that we're talking about, just make sure you point your web browsers to kaijucast.com where we have all the uh, show notes for all of the episodes. You can download all the episodes individually. 
Uh, I have some cool links on the side of the page. Uh, there's also the list of Daikaiju discussion films up there. Don't forget that we did post the King Kong versus Godzilla commentary. That is uh, actually found at commentaries.kaijucast.com. Uh, there's a link in the show notes to that as well, if I remember. And uh, yeah, like I said, if you want to shoot me an email, tell me you like the show, tell me you don't like the show, uh, tell me what don't you... Don't tell him you don't like the show. You can do that. I can take don't it. Don't tell him. As long as it's constructive criticism, I'm cool with it. Uh, but just, just like the show. Just, yeah. Just like, like the, the show. show. Oh, you know, actually, there is something I'd like to say. Um, there's, <laughs> I'm not going to say that I need to do a big push for Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that. But I would like to get more user reviews on iTunes. I think that will help the show out in general. So That's fair. if you're one of those listeners that, uh, you know, you've been listening to the show for a long time and you haven't, you, you know, you haven't made any comments. Maybe you're someone that emails in, which I love reading those emails and stuff. I would really, uh, I think we'd all really appreciate it if, uh, if you, you know, put a review on iTunes. If the Zune Marketplace has reviews, I'd love a review on there too. Um, basically, a uh, little help is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. We're just trying to get the uh, help a brother out. Get the kaiju cast to as many Godzilla-centric ears as possible, um, and it also helps when we need to do something like try and get press passes for a large convention that mm. might want to not have us there mm. <laughs> for some reason. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's all. So that's 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 all I got for we're tonight. done now we're done we're tired we spent all day at the Stumptown Comics Fest so uh, like I said shoot me an email if you want to send your Daikaiju discussion homework in for Rebirth of Mothra that needs to be in by the 23rd of May and uh, yeah that's it and we're going to actually end the show with a uh, with a request from Nick uh, he wanted me to play the myth from the end credits of Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. And what do we say at the end of every episode? Jamata. Jamata.
出したことはあの重い雲の中で僕たちは呼んでいたね過去と